praise God. The choir was singing earlier. It was as though you could just feel waves of the glory of God just sweeping over this place. Mm, aren't you thankful that we can experience the nearness of God? Amen. Praise the Lord. Bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. We, uh, my wife and I are truly blessed to be able to come and to be with you all in Newark. And uh, your pastors are, are marvelous people. They give them a hand. They deserve it. They uh, have just, as they've spent time with us, you can tell that they have a walk with God. They have tremendous wisdom. And, and it's just been wonderful to just share with them, talk with them. And uh, we have been truly the recipient of I believe God's grace as he's ministered through them just spending time with us. And, uh, and so it's been wonderful. And it's been our prayer that the Lord would use us in some way to be able to minister to you as we're here this weekend. And uh, to be able to share some things that, that the Lord uh, is doing, um, has done, is doing, will continue to do. All the way till Jesus comes. Amen. Um, I would like to read a scripture in 1 Kings chapter 17. And then a few verses from chapter 18. And then also Psalms 105. So if you'll uh, indulge me for just a few minutes. Let me read some scripture. Beginning with 1 Kings 17 and 1. And Elijah the Tishbite. Who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. Said unto Ahab. As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens, to feed thee there. So he went and he did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning. And bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And then to fast forward a little bit. 1 Kings 18 starting with verse 37. We know that. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel and he just said, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. 
And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heaven was black with clouds and wind and there was a great rain. Let me go to one other scripture here in the beginning of this message. Psalms 105 verse 17 through 19. He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters. He was laid in iron until, say that word with me, until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord tried Joseph. This week, this scripture was on my mind and just in course of conversation with your pastor, we they brought up this same scripture and I, I just felt it as a confirmation of something that I believe the Lord wants me to share with you. And uh, would you join me in prayer that God would just anoint these next few minutes and that he would speak to our hearts. Would you do that with me right now? Lord, we thank you that we can come together now in your house and in your name. And Lord, I pray that you would take this word that's already anointed. Anoint my lips of clay to speak what it is you would have spoken this evening. And God, have your way among us is our prayer. Amen. We thank you for it, God, for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If we were to look at this book, the Word of God is a series of prophecy of, if you will, promises and fulfillment. Say that with me. Promises and fulfillment. And God gave the first promise of a Messiah to Adam and Eve. Think about it. And the fulfillment of that promise came, but there were some 4,000 years between promise and fulfillment. God forewarned Noah that there was coming judgment and uh, he had uh, said that there would be salvation by way of the ark for Noah and for his family. And uh, it took decades before all of that was fully realized. Uh, God spoke to Abraham when he was 75 years old that there would be a son that would be born to him and uh, and we know that it was some 25 years later before Isaac was was born so in each of these situations there was a period of time between the promise and the fulfillment from the final writing of the prophet Malachi as he declared once again the promise of the coming of Christ the Messiah the Savior of the world and following this prophecy there was a 400 year period of silence uh, from that last prophetic utterance until the coming of Messiah Jesus Christ and so I have come tonight to preach to you I come to preach I believe to a group of people that love to hear the Word of God preached amen. can I get an amen <laughs> we love to read of the bountiful promises in the Word of God and the Word of God is chock full of promises to his people. We love to hear the promises of God being proclaimed. We pray and we long for God to come and to speak a promise to us. When we're in a worship service like we are here tonight, 
We love it when the Spirit of God begins to move and, and perhaps there is a, a, a moving of God in uh, tongues and interpretation of tongues uh, when, when God just begins to manifest Himself. Perhaps uh, a prophetic utterance comes forth and we love when we hear of these great promises from God. Can I get an amen? amen. And so if these are the promises, then on the other side, we love it when the fulfillment comes. Amen. Now we shout over the promise, but we absolutely love it when the fulfillment takes place. We'll shout when the promises of God are fulfilled in our life. We rejoice when the promises become reality to us. We marvel at the miraculous and the way that God has a way of bringing those promises to pass in our, in our life. Amen? So we will get excited. We'll shout over the promise, brother. Yes? But we also love it when the fulfillment happens. But I haven't come to talk to you just about the promise or about the fulfillment. What I've come to really talk to us about tonight is that parentheses of time in between the promise and the fulfillment. I, I want to talk to us about the in-between times. The in-between times. What is it that we need to do in the in-between times? Now, in all of these promises that I've mentioned here uh, tonight, uh, there was always a period of time between promise and fulfillment, between the proclamation and between it coming to pass. Uh, can I tell you that in every situation, it may, it may only be minutes or hours it could be days or weeks or months. It could be decades. It could be centuries of, of these promises that we've read. But there was always this parenthesis of time, if you will, this in-between times. And, and it's there in this parenthesis of time that I believe that our faith in God and in His Word is put to the test. I believe that in Psalms 105, when it was speaking here, of Joseph the word of the Lord tried him because it was here in the in, in this parentheses of time that his faith in God was put to the test and we know as his brothers who had mistreated him and maligned him and now this dreamer Joseph comes to check on his brothers and they see him coming from a long way off and they conspire together to sell their brother Joseph into slavery and so once the merchant men came and, and they uh, took him and they took him to Egypt where he was sold and it was Potiphar, one of the officers of Pharaoh, who had purchased Joseph to be a slave in his household. And after he was there, he arose in prominence in the house of Potiphar until he was over everything that Potiphar had in his house. And, and we know that this young man was also tempted by Potiphar's wife to... Uh, to commit a sexual act with her, but he refused. And, and following that, he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife and ended up being cast into prison. Now, can I tell you that you and I also have been the recipient of promises from God? Is there anybody in the house? Would you raise your hand? Would you give me an amen? If God has made promises to you. Amen. That's happened. God has made promises and for many of us we can look back at times that we know without a shadow of a doubt that not only has he made us a promise but we've seen that promise 
come to pass. That's what gives us faith to believe the very next time that that promise comes, right? So that we can stand in faith and believe God. Amen. Now, there may be some of us here tonight that are a little bit like Joseph because there was a period of time between that promise. Now, God didn't tell him all that's going to happen in the parentheses of time. God didn't reveal the pit. He didn't reveal slavery. He didn't reveal the prison. But all of this was working on Joseph, causing him to be the man that God could exalt, to, to be a prime minister over the nation of Israel and be the savior, if you will, for the people of God. Amen. And so God was at work in him. Now there may be some of us even here tonight that are going through that valley, if you will, of in-between times. So what I'd like to do for the next few moments is just ask you a few questions. What is it that we need to do when you and I are going through this valley of in-between times? Because it is a very real place. The promise of God, the fulfillment of God, but every one of us are going to go through and have to walk through that, that valley, if you will, of the in-between time. So the first thing I want to tell you from Psalms 105, he sent a man before them, verse 17, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came. The word of the Lord tried him. Say that with me. The word of the Lord tried him. Will he or won't he hold on to the word of God? Now, it's easy when we're looking back and we see that happening in his life. It's a little tougher sometimes when it's us <laughs> who's in that valley of in-between times. Isn't that right? And we are there. But the thing I want to tell you, first of all, is if you are going in that valley of in-between time, the very first thing, the most, I would say, important thing, elementary thing, is for us to understand that when we're in that valley of in-between time, God still loves you. God still loves you. You know... My wife and I, we have two boys, and they're 29 and 26 now, so they're not babies anymore. But you know what? I can still recall seeing our boys learn to walk. Any parents or grandparents, you know what I'm talking about. You can remember the time. You remember seeing them kind of pull up at the coffee table or whatever, a little wobble, and then all of a sudden a step, maybe two steps, and you're, yes! I mean, you're so excited, you know. I, I remember my oldest son, Daniel, and we lived in a house in Fort Worth on Blackwing Street, and, and uh, I remember him pulling up at our coffee table, and I remember those first couple of steps, and I was so proud. You know, he, he just took those little steps, but then you know what happened next after a couple of good steps? He face planted right there in the carpet in our living room. Now, did that mean I stopped loving Daniel because I stepped back and gave him room to take those steps? Of course not. I was the first one over there to pick him up and to tell him, son, that was great, you know, and I encouraged him. And, but that's kind of what God does with you and me 
is he's wanting us to take steps of faith. But you see, if he carries us around all the time, then we never really get to learn how to walk by faith. Does that make sense? And so just because the Lord may have stepped back for a moment to give you and I a little space to take a step of faith, that does not mean that God stopped loving us. Amen. Don't let anybody tell you that. God loves you. Turn to your neighbor and say that to him. God loves you. Amen. So I believe that first and foremost, that needs to be established that, that God loves us. The second thing I want to tell you about when we're in this valley of in-between times, it's important that you and I hold on to the promise of God. And God will hold on to you. Do you believe that? Amen. Maybe you've heard of uh, Monty Roberts. He's a man who was known as the man who speaks to horses. And he was the son of an itinerant horse trainer. His dad would go from city to city and from different stables and things through the years. And, and he would move. Uh, Monty and his family would have to move year after year, going to a different place. And as a result, Monty's schooling was interrupted as he went through the different grades. But now here he was in high school and he was writing a, he was a senior in high school and he was told to write a paper by one of his instructors. And, and so he was to write uh, what his aspirations for life were. And so Monty, this is something that he didn't just think about that evening. He had been pondering for some time. And, and so he put pen to paper and began to write. And he wrote a seven-page paper that night with a detailed drawing of a 200-acre horse ranch with a 4,000-square-foot house, highly detailed, laid out in the middle of that. There were barns. There, there, were, uh, there was a track. There, there were different things that he had in his mind. He drew all this out. He turned it in uh, to that teacher and so he was very proud of this paper that he had written as he expressed his heart and he shared his dream. Two days later, Monty Roberts gets the test back or gets the paper back. And when he does, across the top of that paper, written in red ink, was a large red F with a note that said, see me after class. And so Monty was devastated and he, he uh, thought about it. And, and so he did go to the teacher after class and he said, why? Why did I receive an F? And the teacher responded, because your dream is an unrealistic dream. For a young boy like you coming from a family with no money, there is no way that you'll have the resources to be able to buy a horse ranch. That costs a lot of money. You aren't going to have the money to buy the land. You aren't going to have the money to buy the breeding stock. There's no way that you could do it. But I tell you what, Monty, if you will reconsider, if you will write another paper and turn it in, then I will reconsider your semester grade. And so he went home and he was so torn up about it. And he went and talked to his dad and as he talked to his dad and, and he told him what had happened, he said, Dad, what do you think I should do? And he said, well, son, that's a large percentage of your semester grade. Now, I can't tell you what to do. You decide. You decide. And so he thought about it all week long. And at the end of the week, 
Monty took that paper and he turned it back into that same teacher with no changes at all except at the top he wrote a note that said you can keep your F and I will keep my dream. You can keep your F but I will keep my dream. And so Monty Roberts told that story and then after telling it he turned to a group of people who were sitting in the living room of his 4,000 square foot house sitting in the middle of his 200 acre horse ranch and he said I just needed to tell you that because I have that same letter it's framed and it hangs over the fireplace in this house and then he told that group of people he said just a week ago I had that same teacher come and bring 30 students from that school to come to see this house and that teacher told him Monty through the years I've stole a lot of kids dreams but for you, that dream crystallized. It became an intense desire. And you desired to see it fulfilled. And it has been in your life. Uh, amen. When you look back at the story of Joseph, you know what? Something got a hold of Joseph. Amen. That word that was spoken to him, that dream that God gave him, wasn't something that he was going to let go of. He was holding on to that. And if you will, he could have looked back at his brothers and said, Brothers, you can keep that coat. You can keep that pit. But I will keep my dream. He might have said to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife, You can keep the coat. You can keep the prison. I will keep my dream. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, so I just want to tell you, if you're in this place and God's spoken a word to you, hold on! Hold on to the word of God. Hold on to the promises that God has made. God is faithful. God is faithful. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah! God's faithful. Hallelujah. And, and so, quickly, let, let me skip to the other scripture that we read today and that was a story about Elijah the prophet and really I believe that this story if you will it touches on the before the during and the after of the in-between times yeah and so the Lord spoke to Elijah even his name has important meaning because Elijah's name means that Jehovah is my God Everybody say, my God. And all else is idolatry. The Lord Jehovah is my God. And the Lord had doubtless spoken to a, a, a word to Elijah. And Elijah uh, was, was moved and, and he went before the king. And he strode boldly before King Ahab, this wicked king of Israel. The Lord tells us in 1 Kings 16 verse 33 that King Ahab did more to provoke God to anger than all the kings of Israel that were before him. That's saying something. And so Ahab was a wicked king. But Elijah goes before him to deliver a very powerful prophetic message. He was anointed by God with, with boldness uh, from the Lord. And, and he goes before Ahab and he said, the Lord God of Israel liveth and before whom I stand there shall not be dew nor rain these years but according to my word Ahab whether you believe it or not drought and famine are coming to your domain 
Your wells are going to dry up. Your crops are going to wither in the field. There's not going to be any grapes on the vine. And it was as though that he was speaking prophetically over the land. Because you see, what was about to happen in the natural was already happening in the spiritual. Because there was already spiritual famine that was prevalent in the land. And so as he stood and he spoke these words, then he turned to go out from before the king. Now, you know, that takes boldness to go before the king and to speak an unpopular message like that. But Elijah went and he did it and he spoke that word. But there's something that spoke to me in this passage. It's in verse 3. And the Lord said, now understand where he just came from. He was in the court of the king. That king could have called soldiers to come and to take hold of him. They could have drawn a sword or whatever, but that didn't happen. He boldly spoke this word and it goes out. And then I find here in verse 3 that it says this. It says, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. So... Here's the thing. When he went before the king, God gave him a word. Everybody say a word. But he didn't go on to elaborate and say, and here's what's going to happen next. And then this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. Can I tell you that you and I, we like for God to come along and kind of get the map out and say, okay, here's where you're starting. But I'm going to lead you here and here and here. Right? And we want it all laid out sometimes. But Elijah, by faith, just stepped out and did what God said. What, what happens next, God? Well, I don't know, but I'm going to take this step, and I believe God's going to show me the next step. And so that's what he did. He goes before the king, and he comes out, and then came the word of the Lord to him again. Sometimes we're waiting for the second word or the third word when we've never acted on the first word. Yeah? So, so when we act on that first word, then you know what? The Lord's going to come along and he's going to speak to us and give us another word. Amen. And so that we can walk in that. And so we find that Elijah goes down by the brook Cherith. And so he acted upon this word and he came and it was as though the Lord was telling him, you may have lost your popularity. He probably wasn't welcome in the court of the king anymore, but you have not, Elijah, lost your provision. Aren't you thankful that we have a God who will provide? Amen. And, and so we need to know that God loves us. We need to hold on to the promise and know that God's going to hold on to us. And the third thing in the in-between times, rest assured, God will provide. Say that with me. God will provide. And so in the midst of drought and famine... God provided bread and meat both morning and evening for the man of God down by the brook Cherith. God caused the brook to continue to flow day after day after day for this God called man. God made sure he was taken care of. And God caused a raven to come every day morning and evening to bring his food for him. Think about it. And, and so is there anybody in this house that you could testify that God is your Jehovah Jireh. That God is the God who provides. Amen. Aren't you thankful that we know that he is our provider? Amen. You know, my, my wife grew up in, in a Pentecostal home. And uh, I didn't get in church until I was 19. 
but she was raised in this thing and her her mom and dad we used to say they could write a book well now my father-in-law really has written a book about miracles and provisions and things of God but when she was a young girl her dad because of the economy very rough and and he was without work in Alexandria Louisiana where she grew up and he went to the Dallas area looking for employment and as he's there now back then it was before cell phones yeah so he couldn't call in and check in all the time and at home while he was gone they ran out of food there was no food to set on the table now my wife has a sister and four brothers so there's six kids and now my mother-in-law is a woman of faith and so there was no food to put on the table but she said well what do we do every meal we sit down at the table and we give thanks so kids come on gather around the table and they sat down but there was no food in front of them but together they prayed God we thank you for the food that you've provided and they just began to pray a simple prayer while they were praying a knock on the door a woman from the Pentecostals of Alexandria Church where they attended said I, I don't know what happened our our freezer went out and we have a lot of meat in the freezer and I was wondering what do I do with this and and the Lord just impressed me sister strange to bring this food to, to your house I hope that's okay and, and I just felt led to stop by the grocery store and pick up a few things so here here it is and she thanked her profusely thank you thank you and went back in the house to prepare the meal so that they could sit down again and enjoy the food you, you know what I'm just telling you that God is a provider God is a provider amen and you know I'm just gonna be honest I remember praying a prayer God I want to see miracles like that can I tell you that's a dangerous thing to say to God we all love miracles anybody in the house love miracles anybody here love the report of miracles the thing is not everybody loves to be miracle material <laughs> yeah we love it when somebody tell the story of that miracle look how God provided but we don't always want to be the one sitting there staring at an empty table my wife and I had pastored in uh, in southern Illinois and after uh, five and a half years of pastoring there we felt God was calling us to go back to Fort Worth Texas and to start a home mission church and so uh, I was I was bivocational there in Illinois and uh, there was a promise of a job to me when we got to the Dallas Fort Worth area and uh, and so we went assured of a job when we got there so we move in Mondays to be my first day we move in over that weekend I show up at the job on Monday all excited about starting this new job well, the thing is, when I left my job in Illinois, I told them I would help them hire my replacement. And so it took longer than the normal, like, two weeks. And so in total, it took about six weeks. But I called the man who would be my, my boss time and time again and said, assured him, I am coming. We're looking at candidates. And then we hired somebody. I'm training them. I will be there. I told them the date. 
And so I show up on that Monday just like I said I would. And when I walked into that business, I want you to know that the man who was going to, I thought was going to be my boss, he turned white as a sheet when I walked in the door. Because right in front of me walked in a, a lady and she was coming in to start her first day. As it turns out, he hired her to take that job. And we both showed up on the same day and he said, I am sorry. We're not going to be able to extend you that job offer after all. We just moved 800 miles. And now I have a family at home. We're going to start a church. We haven't started it yet. So we were in that in-between time. We were, what do you do? We felt we had heard from God. We moved our family. We are there in Fort Worth, Texas. And now we don't have employment. My wife and I talked about it. We prayed together. I called up the place that I'd worked in Illinois. And by the grace of God, they hired me back to be a consultant. But it wasn't full time because that would mean moving back to Illinois. And so I'd work every other week. But it gave us a, a way to get a paycheck. Praise God for that, right? And they paid me more per hour. That was a blessing too. As a consultant, I made more. If I knew that, I'd ask to be a consultant before we left Illinois. But, but I'm thankful that God did that for us, you know. And, and so things were rocking along. But time went on and, and no other employment opportunity had opened up. And uh, one, I, But here's the thing. Throughout all of that. God put it on people's hearts to send checks in the mail, people from all over the country that we didn't even know. We didn't even know they knew us. And a check would show up. It may be $50, it might be $100, it might be $1,000, praise God. And, and God was meeting our need. And we're like, Lord, I don't know. I, I look for everything imaginable. I even went to FedEx and see if I could unload packages at night. I was willing to do whatever. God just opened a door. But while we were doing that, my wife had to stay home because both our sons had chicken pox at the time. And she had stayed home with them. And the Lord spoke a scripture to her in Psalms 40. I am poor and needy, <laughs> yet the Lord thinketh upon me yeah so she didn't share it with me that night the next morning we get up and we're sitting at the breakfast table and she said Greg I just want you to know the Lord spoke this scripture to me last night and she read that scripture and literally as soon as she finished reading the scripture the phone rang and I answered the phone and it was a man who offered me the job that I'm actually still working today. I'm a bivocational pastor, but the Lord opened this door and God has used that to provide for our family now for many years. I'm just thankful that I serve a God who is a provider. Amen. He is our provider. Hallelujah. Amen. It's so amazing. God spoke and people gave and I'm thankful for that. In Elijah's situation, do you realize that it wasn't a man or a woman or a young person who came to bring him food? 
God couldn't find a man to bring him food, so he had to work on the stingiest of birds, a raven, to come and bring him food in the morning and food at night. Think about that. But he made sure that the man of God did not do without. Amen. God was his provider. Let me fast forward. I'm running out of time. But there he sits by the brook Cherith. Remind me, who is it that told him to go to Cherith? Yeah, God told him to go down by the brook Cherith. And he would sustain him there. Everybody say there. there. Now there is very important. You know, we were at, because of the times one year and uh, in Alexandria, my wife's home church, and uh, Brother Wayne Huntley, he preached a message entitled, When Your Ship Comes In... Don't be at the bus station. Well, I want you to know, raising boys, I don't know how many times that we borrowed that phrase to say, when your ship comes in, son, don't be at the bus station. Make sure you're in the place that you need to be. Notice that God spoke to Elijah and said, I will sustain you there. Everybody say there. And so he was there. He was where God told him to be. He was doing what God told him to do. But the brook dried up. Think about it. Why? Why did the brook dry up? Let me just quickly move on. Habakkuk chapter 1. Here the prophet asks a question. He says, Oh Lord, how long? Say that with me. How long? He then says, Why God? Have you ever prayed any how long prayers? Have you ever prayed any why God prayers? That's what the prophet did. That's in chapter 1 of Habakkuk. Chapter 2, just giving you the cliff notes here. He said, I'm going to go up in my watchtower and I'm going to wait and see what God will say to me. And so he goes and he waits to hear from God. A few verses later, the Lord does speak to him. And you know what he said? He didn't explain all the whys and wherefores. All he said is the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And something happened to that prophet Habakkuk as he sat there and as this message began to sink into his heart. And then in chapter 3, here's what he says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall not be any herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he makes my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And so here's what the prophet said. It doesn't matter what else is going on. It doesn't matter that I've had problems and that I face difficulties but I know that God is with me and my faith is in him. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. I'm going the joy in the God of my salvation. Hallelujah. There's someone here even tonight uh, that you've been going through it uh, and maybe you prayed some how long prayers. Maybe you prayed some why God prayers. Uh, but I want you to know that the Lord has come along to remind you that the just shall live by faith. And when you stand in faith, you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can you thank God for that right now? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the brook, it was only a hiding place. Everybody say a hiding place. 
It was only meant to be temporary. God called him there. Now, the one who called him there is eternal. Everybody say, God's eternal. But the place he called him, Cherith, was only meant to be a temporary place of provision. The supply may reach its limit, but the supplier is limitless. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that right now? So when your brook dries up, and it may dry up, but when your brook dries up, understand that's just a reason for you to look up and know that God has it in His hands. That He's got it in control. Hallelujah. Because He's the one who sent Him there in the first place. He's the one that called Elijah down to the brook. Amen. And so, you know, maybe Elijah had just gotten comfortable thinking every morning, every night, I can just go to the brook and get my drink. Sometimes we can just get comfortable with life. Yeah. But every once in a while there's a hiccup. There's a wrinkle. There's something that happens. Maybe the brook was flowing yesterday and today. What happened? I don't know. Elijah's brook dried up. But I want you to know this. God did not leave him high and dry. Aren't you thankful for that? He called him to a place called Zarephath. And and I'm out of time. but But let me just say that. Zarephath is a place that means refinement. Everybody say that, refinement. God did a work in him at Cherith. And Elijah may not have understood what God was doing, but God was transitioning him to a new level of faith. Because now he shows up at a place called Zarephath, and the Lord said, there she is. That's the one who's going to provide for you while you're here. And he goes over and introduces himself only to find out that she's a widow woman who has no food. She's scraping the bottom of the barrel to have meal to make one more cake for her and her son to eat it and die. But the prophet says by faith, make me a little cake first. And she obeyed. She did that. She made that cake. He ate. They ate. And you know what? Until the rains came and God provided, they never one time ran out of meal. Think about that. God provided. It was miraculous. Amen. You see, he learned a little something over at Cherith that prepared him for that next level, which was Zarephath. And it was there at Zarephath that God was working in him. Faith was rising in him. And all of this, Cherith and then Zarephath were all preparation So that this man of God could go and stand on Mount Carmel before all of the Israelites and and begin to speak a word to them. You remember the story. And so he goes and he stands. This miraculous move of God where all the people were gathered and, and as they came, it was really a challenge. Whose God is God? The false prophets were there. They were praying to their gods. Elijah was there praying to Jehovah God. And Elijah prayed a 62-word prayer. You see, it wasn't about the 62 words. It's about what happened in this parentheses of time, this in-between time. God had spoken a promise. Fulfillment was coming. But the man of God was changed in that parentheses of time, that in-between times. And now, he wasn't ready before, but now he stood before all of Israel. 
and he could speak a 62 word prayer and fire fell from heaven and consumed the sacrifice and the altar and the water that was around the altar it, it happened and the people lifted their voice with one accord and they said the Lord he is God the Lord he is God the Lord he is God hallelujah but you see the, the prophet didn't understand why he had to go to Cherith he didn't understand why he had to go to Zarephath but as he stood there under the power and the anointing of God things began to happen in his life because he had made it through that parentheses of time and now he was seeing the fulfillment Aren't you thankful for that? Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Let's stand together right now. I just want to share one thing before we come to the altar to pray. I, I, I told this story and I'm, I guess tonight I'm just being transparent, okay? I'm just telling you a little bit about where we've been, okay? I told you that the Lord called my wife and I to go and start a home mission church in Fort Worth, Texas. And we did. And we started in a school. And following the school, we met in a daycare center for a short while. And we thought we would be there for a while longer. But while we were meeting there, it was December. And the daycare center lost their lease in that shopping center. <clears throat> and uh, they told us you have two weeks to find another place to meet. And so I began frantically looking, searching, praying, God, show us where you would have us to be. Well, after one week, they told us on Saturday, you can't meet in the daycare on Sunday. That was to be our last time. Sorry. We, we had no place to meet. So we had church in our living room. And the church assembled. They came. It was a little crowded. We filled our living room, packed out. And we we're standing in this living room. And I preached from this passage of scripture about how God provided for Elijah at Cherith and how that God sent a raven and supplied their need. And I said to that church, I said, we were told we had two weeks. We didn't have two weeks. So here we are. We had no place to meet this week. We're in our living room. But I believe God is opening the door for a place for our church to meet and we had prayer and the presence of god came into that living room and began to touch men and women that were there faith began to arise and then we walked out of the house and we were saying goodbye to the people who were there and we're standing in our front yard and standing in our front yard on black or on uh, muirwood trail where we lived at the time my son Daniel looks up and he said, Dad, there's a, a raven. Ravens are not natural to Fort Worth, Texas. I'm just telling you, they're not. But that black bird came and circled our house several times. So much so that everyone commented about, look at that. Would you look at that? And then the bird was gone. But I believe that the Lord did that because there was a little group of people that just needed to know that God is our provider. And before
before the week was over, the Lord opened the door for a place for our church to meet. Amen. And I am so thankful that we serve a God like that. Now, I, I just really feel like that in this place today, that there are several who are at different stages. Some just received a promise. Some may have already received fulfillment. But many of us are in that in-between times. Yes. But you know what? I think it's good for us to come to this altar together, wherever we are. If we've just received a fresh promise, praise God for that. If we've received fulfillment, praise God for that. If we're in the in-between times, praise God that we have a God that's going to see us through. Amen. Can we come? Let's come to the altar today. Let's come and pray right now.